Hello, and welcome to The Film Degree, the podcast where I get to finally put my film degree to use. My name is Patrick, and today we are starting a new series on the podcast where we go through every Best Picture winner at the Oscars. And what better film to start with than the very first winner, Wings, from 1927. Uh, Before we get into that, I do want to give a little bit of an update about what I've been doing. It has been a little bit longer than what I would have wanted to to make or it's been longer than I would have wished between last episode and this one but I have just been trying to watch as much horror movies as possible like I told you guys in the last episode they last or it was just Halloween when I recorded this this is now November 2nd I believe actually it's the third because it is midnight but (laughs) Um, I spent all of Halloween watching all eight Child's Play slash Chucky movies, and I had a blast, but I am kind of, well, I am Chucky'd out. Uh, The new episode was supposed to air tonight, well, did air tonight, and I was supposed to watch it, but um, I don't think I can do it right now. I am so, not that I'm tired of Chucky, I love Chucky, but I'm a little tired out from it, and I am... I was excited to get into a movie that is not horror because the entire month of October, that is all I watched. So I had to wait to start Wings until after October. And let's let's just get into it. Um, I'm going to start with some background information on the Oscars as well as um, the actual ceremony that Wings won at. But the Oscars, if you don't, no, which I'm sure you do, is the most prestigious and sought-after award in the industry, but it is not the end-all be-all of filmmaking. There are plenty of issues with the Academy, which we'll talk about its shady origins in a little bit, but the Oscars continue to have issues today regarding (laughs) all sorts of things. Um, There's a lack of diversity. The films that are awarded are very American-centric, There is expensive campaigning meant to swerve votes. There are members who vote without watching the actual movies, so on and so forth. Plus, there are so many insanely talented people who have never been recognized, never been nominated, never won, uh, probably never will be nominated, never will win. And that is not to say they aren't some of the most talented people working in film, um, I don't know if this is actually true. I didn't, this just came to me. Um, (laughs) But I don't even think like Alfred Hitchcock won an Oscar. Did he not? Let me double check on that because I would sound like a fool if I got that incorrect. So he won a memorial award, which was that? Oh no, he was still alive. Okay. (laughs) He won an Irving G. Feldberg Memorial Award, which I don't know what that is. Um, It's some honorary award. So he didn't even win a real Oscar. And Alfred Hitchcock is like, I don't know, the greatest director to ever live. Psycho, Rear Window. He's been nominated a few times. He was nominated for Rebecca, which actually won Best Picture, I believe. So we'll get to that eventually. (laughs) But as of right now, we're talking about Wings. Even with all the issues that I stated, the Oscars is still the highest honor you could receive in Hollywood. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. Fuck fall, fuck summer, fuck winter, fuck spring. Award season is my favorite season. Every year I'm disappointed, but for some odd reason, that does not 
take the fun out of it. (laughs) There have been 93 Best Picture winners as of right now in 2021, I believe. Again, don't quote me on that. And this is like the start, like I said, a start of a series where I'm going to go through every Best Picture winner and discuss my thoughts, opinions, and frustrations about each one. But before I get into um, anything further, I do want to mention my sources because, you know, cite your sources. I got all my information from the smithsonianmagazine.com or something. I don't know, Smithsonian Magazine, Wikipedia, my one true love, and filmsite.org as well as nbcnews.com. So before we get into the actual film, I want to talk a bit about what like the Oscars are today. And currently the Academy holds, oh, and I don't know if, I don't know if everyone knows this. I'm sure you do. And this might just be like some stupid thing that I'm saying right now, but the Oscars is like a nickname for the Academy Awards. I don't even know why it's called that. I think there's like some rumor or some like urban legend or something that some lady, I don't even know who this lady was, but she was like, oh, the the statue looks like my uncle Oscar. And then everyone called it the Oscar. I don't know. That sounds so, that sounds like bullshit to me, but like, I don't know. Who am I to say, you know, who cares? Um, But the Academy holds 17 branches that represent actors, casting directors, cinematographers, costume designers, directors, documentary filmmakers, executives, editors, makeup artists and hairstylists, marketing and public relations, music producers, production designers, short films, uh, feature animation, sound and visual effects, and writers. And like the people who are in the Academy, you kind of like, it's not very easy to get into. (laughs) Um, Perspective members have to be sponsored by two Academy members from the branch, which they, which the candidate would belong. Um, Although Oscar nominees who are not yet members are considered automatically. And unfortunately, because of all the barriers it takes to become a member and, you know, because of like the world in general, the Academy is dominated by white men. In 2016, when uh, the Oscar so white controversy happened, uh, which was there were no actors of color who were nominated for two years in a row and if you aren't aware, there's four different categories for actors. So, and there's what, like four, I think there's five um, nominees each year. So 20 people or whatever, none of them were any people of color. That is insane. Am I doing that math right? Because that sounds even crazier than what I thought it was. Nope, it was just crazy. So ever since then, the Academy is like half-assedly pushed to diversify the pool of voters and four years after the controversy, the proportion of women members climbed from 25% to 32%. And the proportion of people of color climbed from only 8% to 16%. I cannot believe it is so, I mean, I can believe it is so low. Let's be real. How many movies where people of color are the center of it or really any sort of marginalized group is at the center of it it's rare and if it you know (laughs) and if it is it's like the movie the help or green book or something where it's like such bullshit white savior stuff or it's a gay movie directed by a straight person like all that all that good stuff not to say those movies aren't good movies well i am here to say that like green book is not a good movie. I'm talking more of like Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> That's a pretty good movie, but you know, 
it is not the most diverse group in the academy. But hopefully, the academy is headed into the right direction. But unfortunately, we have a long way to go, obviously. But with not only just diversity, but with recognizing genre films and films that aren't just a straight up drama. Um, very few genre films get recognized in the best picture category and are usually regulated towards the technical categories if they're recognized at all. And only one horror film has ever won best picture. And that was 1991's adaption of The Silence of the Lambs, which was directed by Jonathan Demme, starring Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, which I cannot wait to eventually talk about. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. But interestingly enough, The Silence of the Lambs became one of only three films to ever win all five of the major categories, those being Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Screenplay, which in this case was Best Adapted Screenplay. Only five other horror films have ever been nominated for Best Picture. Those were William Friedkin's The Exorcist in 1973, Steven Spielberg's 1975 film Jaws, M. Night Shyamalan's 1999 film The Sixth Sense, Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan in 2010, and Jordan Peele's 2017 film Get Out. And there has also never been a science fiction film to ever win the top prize, and only 11 have been nominated. Only two fantasy films have ever won Peter Jackson's 2003 film Lord of the Rings Return of the King and 2017's The Shape of Water, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Again, Despite this, the Oscars are still the most prestigious honor (laughs) in American film, maybe in film in general. I don't know about that. Don't quote me on that. Other countries have their own equivalents to the America's Academy Awards, like you may remember from my Kristen Stewart episode where we talked about how she won a Caesar or Caesar Award, uh, which is like the French Oscar. The only American actress to ever do so, might I add, might I add. Anyway, (laughs) and also everything I just listed makes the Oscars sound like a crock of shit. And you know what? Maybe they are. They, they are, but I still love them. And I still root for everybody, all my faves, because it is a huge honor, even though it is kind of bullshit. Anyway, but unlike the Golden Globes, which should just be abolished, if you ask me, the Academy Awards or the Oscar are given out by their peers. But I say peers in quotations because at this point it's like, uh, well, let me give you an example. So I reached my, my grandfather is visiting and we were watching Law and Order SVU and, um, this episode, which I've actually never really watched this show. I've seen like bits and pieces when it's like on TV and I just happen to be passing by or something. But like this episode is about some cam girl who was assaulted during a live stream by one of her fans who like, sorry, this is kind of, I don't even know why I went down this road, but this is kind of like trigger warning-ish, which there'll be another one later on in the episode. But um, one of her fans takes her like rape role play as serious and he attacks her while she's on stream while everyone is watching and she takes him to court and they show the jury. And like, I shit you not, this jury was like filled with like a hundred year old people. Like they were so old. And the whole time I'm watching this episode, I'm just like, do these old bags even know what cam girls are? And I don't mean to promote ageism, 
but these baby boomers are not her peers. And you know, like the whole thing is like, what's it called? I don't know the law, but you're like given a jury of your peers and like, this was not her peers and they did not understand what the hell was going on. And all they did was slut shame her. And like <laughs> the Academy is kind of like that. <laughs> it's like, there's so many Academy members that in 2020, there were 9,921 members in the Academy. And I'm kind of just like pulling this out of my ass. This, not that number, that number's real, but what I'm about to say, which I might not be because <laughs> I don't want to say her because she is so sick and twisted. <laughs> but this other person, this YouTuber made this point. And if you know, you know, if you don't, you don't. But she basically was saying like a lot of the people in the Academy are like old people who like don't even work in the business anymore. And if you think about it, so like all these members are from old Hollywood and they're living in Florida with their old Hollywood values and ideals and like this is why we have a specific formula for movies that win best picture but slowly times are changing they're dying off and now we're getting best picture winners like Moonlight and Parasite but unfortunately <laughs> I don't want to say it, but unfortunately some are still living <laughs> but unfortunately <laughs> we're still getting winners like green book which i am so not looking forward to that episode i saw that movie in theaters because i try to see every movie nominated at least within the past mm, like eight or nine years and yeah we have a long way to go but let's talk about the first academy award ceremony and the first best picture winner wings so the academy or academy of motion picture arts and sciences was founded at a dinner at the Ambassador Hotel on January 11th, 1927, with only 36 members. The Academy was founded by Louis B. Mayer, which he's from Metro Golden Mayer, like when you see like the production company or whatever. That's the one with like the lion that roars, if you don't know. Um, but the purpose of the award the on paper the purpose of the award was to unite all branches of the film industry including actors directors producers technicians and writers but the actual reason behind this was well when mayor was asked about the creation of the awards mayor said and i quote i found that the best way to handle filmmakers was to hang medals over them if i got them cups and awards they'd kill them to produce what i wanted that's why the Academy Award was created. Uh, so essentially, <laughs> the Academy was created to use Hollywood's ego uh, to get rid of any attempts of unionization. Peter DeKerney, I think is how you say his name, author of Hollywood and the Culture Elite, How Movies Became American, said the award ceremony resembled nothing so much as a well-publicized annual meeting of a professional organization, complete with chicken or fish dinner in the years before it became an unabashed performance. He said this to argue that he was establishing the idea that the Academy members were artists and not laborers. Which, just this is just a complete side note, but unions are so important, especially in Hollywood. Well, everywhere, but in Hollywood right now, the whole thing with um, the shooting that just happened on the Alec Baldwin film rust as long with all of the strikes that have been 
well, they haven't happened yet, but they were approved to happen by the union about unsafe practices on film sets. So yes, they need unions. And (laughs) don't quote me on this because I don't know all the information, but the Alec Baldwin situation, and I am so sorry, I cannot remember the name of the cinematographer who passed away. The people behind well, the crew that was behind using that prop gun were not union members and the production was cutting corners. So yes, unions are very important. It's a life and death situation. There are many deaths that have happened on film sets, including Wings, which we will very briefly discuss, but they happen all the time. And yeah, it needs to be taken seriously. But back to the Oscars. Um, In February of 1928, all nominees uh, were notified via telegram of their nominations. And in August of that same year, Mayer contacted the Central Board of Judges to decide the winners. The award for what is now known as Best Picture was decided by the Academy's founders, Louis B. Mayer, Douglas Fairbanks, Sid Grauman, Mary Pickford, and Joseph Schenck. Sorry, I don't know these people's names, but who cares? Uh, All winners were announced three months prior to the ceremony, and there were one winner with two runner-ups that were named with each category. But instead of the term nomination, which I just said, the Academy at the time referred to them as honorable mentions. And on May 11th, 1929, the very first Academy Awards took place at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel in Los Angeles. It was a private dinner with just 36 banquet tables and 270 attendees. Tickets were sold for $5, which in today's time, in 2021, that would cost about $75, which is still so insanely cheap. But anyway, actors and actresses arrived in luxury cars and were greeted by their fans, and the ceremony was not broadcasted like it is today, and it only lasted 15 minutes, unlike today's, which is on average like three hours it probably runs over three hours because it's always running over and people always make the longest fucking speeches because they list every single person they've ever met instead of coming up with something original jesus christ but yeah three hours sometimes more but 15 statuettes were given out all were to men except for janet gaynor who won for best actress For the first and only time, the awards were given out for multiple achievements instead of just one. And for example, Janet Gaynor won Best Actress for her work in not just one film, but for three films, those being Seventh Heaven, Street Angel, and Sunrise. The categories in 1929 were Most Outstanding Motion Picture Production, which is Best Picture, um, Most Unique, Artistic, Worthy, and Original Production, which also to me sounds like Best Picture, Best Directing for a Comedy Picture, Best Directing for a Drama Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Writing, Original Story, Best Writing Adaption, Best Writing Titles, which is like for silent movies, the things that show up, and um, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, and Best Engineering Effects. So like I said... There's kind of like technically two best picture winners with Wings taking one for most outstanding motion picture production and Sunrise taking most unique, artistic, worthy, and original production. I don't know the difference here. (laughs) Currently, the Academy only recognizes Wings as its first best picture winner and it doesn't recognize Sunrise at all. I'm not sure why. Like, I guess it was like when they said they wanted to make a category listed as like best popular movie or whatever, so that Marvel could win best picture or something. Uh, I don't know. But 
since Sunrise is not considered an official Best Picture winner, we will not be talking about it. We'll be talking about Wings. I know nothing about it. Have not seen it. I think Janet Gaynor was in it. Did I say that? I did say that. She is in it. Um. So yeah, let's talk about why we're here. And that is Wings. So Wings is the only silent film to ever win Best Picture. If you don't count Sunrise, because I believe that was also silent. But don't quote me on that because I've never seen it. That's kind of just a guess. <laughs> I've also never seen the full thing for 2011's The Artist. Like in like full, I've seen parts of it. And apparently that is not a complete silent movie like I originally thought. Even though all the parts I've seen were silent. But anyway... <laughs> I know a lot of people, if not everyone who is listening to this, has probably never seen Wings at all because, for starters, it is a two and a half hour silent movie. So I'm just going to read the plot line that was written on the Wikipedia page because it's easier and it's more precise. I tried writing one, but it was so bad. So I was just like, eh, fuck it. I'll just take Wikipedia's. Thank you, Wikipedia. So here it goes. Jack Powell and David Armstrong are rivals in the same small American town, both vying for the attention of pretty Sylvia Lewis. Jack fails to realize that the girl next door, Mary Preston, is desperately in love with him. The two young men both enlist to become combat pilots in the Army Air Service. When they leave for training camp, Jack mistakenly believes Sylvia prefers him. She actually prefers David and lets him know about her feelings, but is too kind-hearted to turn down Jack's affection. Jack and David are belayed together. I don't even, I don't even know what that word is. I might even be saying that wrong. Ooh, I'm going to say belayed. Belayed? Belayed together. <laughs> anyway, their tent is with cadet white but their acquaintance is all too brief white is killed in an air crash the same day undaunted the two men endure a rigorous training period where they go from being enemies to best friends upon graduating they are shipped off to france to fight against imperial germany mary joins the war efforts by becoming an ambulance driver she later learns of jack's reputation as the ace known as the shooting star and encounters him while he's on leave in Paris. She finds him, but he is too drunk to recognize her. She puts him to bed, but when the two military police barge in while she is innocently changing from a borrowed dress back to her uniform in the same room, she is forced to resign and return to the United States. The climax of the story comes with an epic battle at St. Mihal. David is shot down and presumed dead. However, he survives the crash landing, steals a German biplane, and heads for the Allied lines. By a tragic stroke of bad luck, Jack spots the enemy aircraft and, bent on avenging his friend, begins an attack. He is successfully in downing the aircraft and lands to retrieve a souvenir of his victory. The owner of the land where David's aircraft crashed urges Jack to come to the dying man's side. He agrees and becomes distraught when he realizes what he has done. David consoles him, and before he dies, he forgives his comrade. At the war's end, Jack returns to a hero's welcome. He visits David's grieving parents to return his friend's effects. During the visit, he begs their forgiveness for causing David's death. Mrs. Armstrong says it's not Jack's, it's, it was not Jack who was responsible for the son's death, but the war. Then Jack is reunited with Mary and realizes he loves her. The end. Oh my god, that's so embarrassing. I'm so bad at reading. I felt so much pressure. It was like being in 
It was like being in like the third grade and they make you read from the textbook. It's so embarrassing. Anyway. <laughs> um, so the film was written by John Monk Sanders, Hope Loring, and Lewis or Louis D. Lighton with uncredited writings by Byron Morgan and Lucien Hubbard. It was directed by William A. Wellman, who was actually assigned as a combat pilot in December 3rd, um, on December 3rd, 1917, during World War One. So actually, I'm pretty sure this movie takes place during 1917. Oh my god. I'm so stupid. Obviously it does. <laughs> it's set in World War One. Jesus. Anyway. He was hired because he was the only director in Hollywood at the time who had World War I combat pilot experience. Writer John Monk Saunders and Richard Arlen, who portrayed David Armstrong in the film, also served as military aviators in World War I. Arlen was able to do his own flying in the film, and Charles Buddy Rogers, who portrayed Jack Powell, was not a pilot, and he underwent training, like flight training, so that he was able to do some of his own flying, especially like the uh the close-up shots and i was completely shocked that the actors actually did their own flying like especially with how insane some of these shots actually are i think the only (laughs) i don't know like that's not a thing now besides unless you're like what's his name insane man tom cruise mr scientology who i believe flew his own plane in like one of the mission impossible movies or whatever jumped out of a plane or scaled a building or all of the above i don't know but on the regular i don't think that happens so i don't know if that was like the norm here but that is crazy to me that they were doing this flying or maybe they weren't doing the crazy stunts because there's some really cool stunts in this movie but anyway (laughs) There were actually two crashes involved on the set and in training. One involved the stunt pilot, while the other one was a fatal crash, the one I mentioned before, with an Army Air Service pilot. And Wellman actually realized early on that they would not have enough planes or pilots, uh, especially to do some of the stunts that required that was required. So he requested technical assistance and a supply of planes and pilots from Washington And the Air Corps sent six planes and pilots from the first pursuit group stationed at Selfridge Field near Detroit, including Clarence S. Irvine, who became Wellman's advisor. Wellman frequently conflicted with the military officers on set, and there was one commander in particular who took issue with both flyers and movie people. So it's like, (laughs) why was he sent to this movie? He doesn't like people who fly planes and he doesn't like people who make movies. So let's send him. But allegedly, according to Wikipedia, Wellman had told the commander, you are just a goddamn fool because the government has told me you have to give me all of your men and do just exactly what I want you to do. (laughs) I don't know. I thought that was so funny. But at the time... Let's get serious. At the time, Wings was the most expensive film ever shot with, it was shot with $2 million budget, which now is the equivalent of only $30 million, which now that's a big budget, but also like, that's not a big budget. I mean, it is, but like movies today, well, the Infinity War and Avengers Endgame or whatever, like together, it was like a billion dollars or whatever. That is insane. Action movies go well over a hundred 
million dollars today and it's like still not enough <laughs> come on we all saw black widow um that movie was well over a hundred million dollars i believe again don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure it was it cost more than dune and somehow this cgi looked like shit Sorry to Miss Scarlett Johansson. I actually liked Black Widow, but that movie did not look great. But that's also because they are exploiting visual effects artists. But anyway, this is why we need unions. I don't think, again, <laughs> don't call me on this. I don't think uh, like visual effects artists have a union. And that's why they are so overworked and underpaid and rushed into making movies that are like all CGI and they are not given the proper time and they are not taken care of. So again, unions are important, but the film was extensively rehearsed and had to be shot around certain weather conditions. Wellman was adamant that there must be clouds in the scenes that took place in the sky because otherwise you would not have been able to tell how fast a plane was moving. You wouldn't be able to understand where it's really going like in terms of how near or far from the camera and blah 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 blah. I think he said something like it would have just looked like a bunch of flies and not like planes. So he was like, we need clouds. He was so adamant at the like for this that at one point they had to wait 18 consecutive days to shoot, which if you don't know, just being a few hours behind on schedule could cost a production an astronomical amount of money. Time is money in filmmaking, and most Hollywood productions at the time took little to over a month where, like, to film and to produce, like, the whole production. Wings took nine months to complete. And at one point, a Paramount executive was sent to, to the set to complain about the time and budget. Um, but again, allegedly, Wellman told him that he had two options, a trip home or a trip to the hospital. So clearly Wellman is like, shut the fuck up. I'm making the movie I want to make and you can pay for it. <laughs> I have never seen a movie directed by this man that I know of outside of this. And I kind of like, I want to watch more because his attitude, maybe he was a huge asshole. Maybe I shouldn't say this. He probably was an asshole. He sounds like an asshole. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, but because it was such a long shoot and so much of the time was just like shots of the sky and planes in the sky, the actors had a lot of time on their hands, which again, allegedly just led to everyone fucking during those nine months, which, inclu <laughs> which included Clara Bow, who portrayed Mary. Uh, she was like openly flirting with members of the cast and crew while still being engaged to Victor Fleming. Uh, who's like a huge director. He directed uh, Gone with the Wind. He won Best Director for that. And he also directed, well, sort of directed, I think like other people actually directed it and they slapped his name on there or something. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, which was the same year as Gone with the Wind. Back to this whole thing with Clara and with the cast and the crew and everyone fucking for nine months. I'm like obsessed with that <laughs> because you just know like, we all know that this had to have been the most dramatic and messy workplace ever. Like, I am, I love some workplace drama. I love seeing it. I love being a part of it. I shouldn't say that. Oh my God. If, <laughs> if you're my employer and you listen to this, not anymore. I am a changed person. 
<laughs> Listen, I almost got fired once for drama. Maybe I shouldn't be putting this out there. Mm, one time I did, I made a short film for work, um, for a work like team meeting with the entire staff, like a staff meeting and all staff. And um, it was kind of like a what not to do, but also it kind of, I incited drama and I almost got fired for it and it was quite the disaster. So I am no stranger to workplace drama and in the past, not the present, <laughs> I have been known to enjoy it. So like, I feel like this was like, 1927's version of Vanderpump Rules, which I am a huge fan of. If you don't know what that show is, it is a reality show about what well, it used to be about a bunch of like 20 year old, 20 somethings working at a restaurant and um, run by Lisa Vanderpump from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And it is so messy. They were all sleeping together at one point. They were all fighting. There were physical fights. There were, oh, that show is so insane. And that's what I feel like this set was like. And oh, so now I'm kind of thinking maybe I should cut that part of me saying I love workplace drama. Mm. Um, If my boss is listening to this, which I hope to God he is not. That was all a joke and I made it up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> after being released, it was a Huge critical success, obviously, because it went on to win the first Academy Award for Best Picture. And uh, actually, the movie would go on to believe that it was completely lost and gone for years to come. And for decades, it was lost until a copy of a negative was rediscovered in Paramount's vaults or something. And after suffering decay, the film was meticulously restored and the music and sound were recreated and the film was released on VHS in 1996. And in 2012, a new remastered version of the film was also released on DVD and Blu-ray. And that is the version I watched, I believe. So now my overall thoughts on the movie. If I'm being completely 100% honest... I was not looking forward to watching this at all. Like I said, it is a three and a half hour silent movie. Now, I've seen very few silent films in my life. As you know from my title, I did go to film school. <laughs> kind of a shitty film school. <laughs> but I have seen like George Millier's A Trip to the Moon from 1902 and Benjamin Christensen's 1922 film Haxon, I believe it's called, and Carl Theodore Dreyer's The Passion of Joan of Arc in 1928 and stuff like that. And I love The Passion of Joan of Arc. I think it is an incredible movie. I've seen it a couple times. It is probably one of my favorite performances of all time. It is one of the best looking films of all time. It is incredible. But also, I am not seeking out silent movies. Like, who? <sighs> I'm not a huge fan of, like, the acting type. It's kind of, like, very over-the-top, very expressions, like, crazy, kind of slapsticky comedies thrown in. Maybe not all the time, but the ones I have seen. Well, I guess not all the time, because Passion of Joan of Arc, I don't think there was any sort of comedy in that movie. <laughs> that was about a woman being burnt alive, and that is it. So, um... But from what I've seen, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not looking for it, really. Um, 
So I, I wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to watching this. And I think I'd actually say I was uh, dreading it. It sounded horrible for me to sit through. I have ADHD. I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was like 13 or something. You think my ass is going to sit and watch a fucking silent movie for three and a half hours. Like, uh, the movies that I've seen that are short films, they're already long enough and they're like an hour, three and a half hours. I'm sorry, two and a half hours, <laughs> two and a half hours might as well be three and a half hours. It is so long. We're getting in like epic territory, like Ben-Hur or something. Is that an epic? I don't know. I feel like it is. Spartacus, uh, Cleopatra. <laughs> what else? I can't even think. Lord of the Rings. That's an epic. Um, which the Oscars are not, or the Oscars are like, they're known for going for their epics. And this is like, no, this was no exception. This was a long ass movie. Ugh. I have been wanting to watch it forever because it's like the best, the first best picture winner. Although again, there were technically two, but they don't, (laughs) they kind of just were like, "Mm, that one doesn't exist. So I've always wanted to watch it and I've been putting it off forever and I was planning on putting it off forever for, uh, forever. (laughs) So the only reason I really watched this was because I wanted to do this series on the podcast and yeah, I just, I wasn't looking forward to it. But when I agreed to do this episode, agreed as if someone was making me do it and I was like, okay, like I willingly did this. I willingly put myself through it. I just like looked it up because I really didn't know anything about it other than I didn't even know it was that fucking long. Okay. (laughs) I didn't really know that. I knew it was a silent movie. I was kind of like, ugh. once I saw that it was two and a half hours, I was like, okay, slow your roll. I don't know if I'm going to do this episode anymore. But then I saw this thing like this article is like the first thing that showed up that it was like, it's gay. The movie's gay. And, um, it has Hollywood's like first gay kiss ever. So as you know, my little gay brain went ding, 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 ding. I have to watch this. So after that happened, I was like, okay, let's watch this. Now, before any of you jump down my throat and say that the kiss at the end of this, the, the gay kiss was not a romantic kiss. Shut up. Yes, it was. The movie is gay. Okay. It was, it has like that classic old Hollywood gay subtext. And I don't, (laughs) I don't actually have anything to say about that. Um, It was gay and you know, like that's cool, but I really want to talk about how genuinely thrilling this movie is. Like, (laughs) if you can't tell, I actually enjoyed this movie. (laughs) Um, I think I forgot to say that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I actually really enjoyed it. So let's get into how fucking thrilling this is. Like, sorry to say this, but Christopher Nolan, you can eat your heart out because your movie will never be as thrilling as Wings. Sorry, but it's true. No, it's true. It's, it's true. It's true. Like, it's actually insane how well the action sequences hold up and how it like obviously influenced Nolan, but sorry to Nolan and Miss Harry Styles. Dunkirk was boring. I did not care for Dunkirk. I think I gave it like three stars, whatever, and I was generous. It is such a snooze fest. And it's just kind of like all over the place, which I don't know. Maybe that was the point. I think it was the point. 
but I was not feeling that movie. Okay. And listen, I went to film school. Okay. I was surrounded by film bros. Do you know how many times I have seen the figurative jerking off of film bros to Christopher Nolan movies or Quentin Tarantino movies? When Dunkirk was coming out, I had to hear about it. Okay. It was a nightmare to go into class every day and look at some little white film bro, this little straight white film bro, talk about how Dunkirk was the greatest movie ever made and that, and it was like better than Pulp Fiction or whatever, which is the other movie that they jerk off over. They literally run a train over that fucking movie poster. Like I cannot listen to that shit anymore. It was a nightmare. So maybe I'm a little biased. (laughs) I do like Christopher Nolan movies. I don't want to say I don't like The Dark Knight. Classic, obviously. Um, I haven't seen Interstellar, okay? Don't shoot me. Inception, yeah, that was fun. Um, Tenet, I actually really enjoyed Tenet. I made my friend listen or watch it with me. Uh, Don't think he loved it as much as... I didn't love it. I liked it. I don't think he liked it. (laughs) Which, don't... Whatever. I'm like going off the rails, but this movie, Dunkirk, let me, Dunkirk, boring. This movie, surprisingly and oddly, not boring whatsoever. I actually did not look at my phone once for a goddamn silent movie, okay? I am a chronic phone checker while watching movies, (laughs) which, you know, that might be like a cardinal sin or whatever, sacrilegious, um, (laughs) which I'm about to even make an even more sacrilegious statement. I actually watched the beginning of this on my phone, just as Martin Scorsese intended. <laughs> I started it on my phone because I didn't have access to my TV yet. And you know what? There's always this argument like, you cannot watch movies on your phone. Blah, 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 blah. You have to see it on the big screen. You have to see Dune on the big screen. Whatever. Go fuck yourself. I don't understand the difference, all right? Like... The way I watch something, if I'm going to watch it on my phone, is I'm curled up in bed and the phone is literally like an inch from my eyes. So it feels like I, it feels like I'm at the movies. <laughs> the screen is huge. Like I see everything perfectly fine. I don't need, ugh, I don't need to hear about it. And maybe people are like, well, the, the sound isn't as good, blah, 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 blah. The picture's not as good. Ugh, shut up. Just watch the fucking movie. Anyway, like I said, I'm a chronic phone checker. I have ADHD. I'm always looking at my phone and I was immersed the entire time and I never looked down. Like, I don't think I looked down once. I was so into this movie. Uh, But to be fair, this movie is by no means the perfect movie. This is a silent movie after all. So the characters are not well fleshed out and it does take some of the punch out of the climatic ending and death scene because after David dies, you're just, I was like, I was just kind of like, uh, were they really that close? Were they enemies at the beginning? Because like, they kind of like, everything I read was like, they were enemies. I mean, like they kind of liked the same girl allegedly because I'm sorry, they were homos. Um, But again, I use friends when I say, were they really that close friends? I use that in quotes because like I said, they were in love, they were fucking, but honestly, they feel 
kind of like strangers this entire movie which again is kind of due to the limitations of silent movies and their writing they're very very small bits of writing that's not true they do come up with the story but i mean like the dialogue that comes up on the the screen like the titles or whatever but i actually think that like a remake that could that is made that is like could be made to be explicitly gay could actually be really good and i would be very interested in that like i think that idea has so much potential and maybe just maybe christopher nolan could dip his little toes in the homosexual pool and cause all the film bros who worship him like cause their heads to explode okay like that would be so amazing and you know now that i'm thinking about it um maybe that wouldn't be because then i swear to god if i was in film school right now i'd be like please god don't let this happen because you know all the film bros would be like christopher nolan is so brave for doing that like they would turn it into like something so ridiculous so maybe i don't want christopher nolan to make a gay movie maybe i just want christopher nolan to make robert pattinson look sexy in tenant like that's kind of all i want and all i kind of want is the sound to go boom and and robert pattinson to look sexy so you know what i take that back christopher nolan keep your damn toes out of the homosexual pool but yeah let's get back to the movie i surprisingly liked this like i said uh the technical aspects especially like the cinematography is just so good and there's also like there's this like sort of famous scene i don't know if it's famous i just see it on twitter all the time of like this camera panning over several tables filled with couples in like one take and i guess like at the time that was like revolutionary like with i don't know the camera equipment or whatever and it is a cool shot like even today um but side note don't tell me that wellman did not intend this movie to be gay because one of the couples at that table were two women i actually didn't notice that i just noticed two people but like in the wikipedia and in all the things that i've read when i was just reading like how this movie's gay apparently there's two women who are couples and i'm pretty sure like everyone was touching each other's face maybe kissing i don't know i don't know camera kind of moved fast through that group of people but hello this is gay cinema but anyway <laughs> what i really liked about this movie was clara bow clara bow clara bow i'm not sure b-o-y or b-o-y jesus christ b-o-w i don't think i've ever seen any movie with clara before uh but she is like so magnetizing here and i i don't really know how because there is no dialogue but like just her presence is so strong and if you don't know who she is she was an actress from 1921 until she retired from acting in 1933 at the age of 28 and side like i just want to preface this with saying another sort of trigger warning in the next minute or so because we are going to talk about her life very briefly which is very sad but she was a huge film star uh huge sex symbol throughout her career and she was actually the original hollywood it girl which was a nickname that originated from her being in the film the 1927 film it no relation to pennywise the clown but i did not know that i've always heard of her but i i didn't i didn't know this but 
Unfortunately, Clara would begin showing signs of mental illness and would become socially withdrawn. And in 1944, when her husband was running for the U.S. House of Representatives, Clara made a suicide attempt and left a note that said she preferred death to a public life. She was later put in treatment center and was given shock treatment and numerous tests. She was eventually diagnosed with schizophrenia, even though she has never experienced auditory or visual hallucinations. I don't really know anything about schizophrenia. I actually know nothing about schizophrenia, so I'm not saying she doesn't have schizophrenia because she had no hallucinations. I don't really know if schizophrenia is just hallucinations. Maybe it is. Maybe this was just um, the 1940s and they had no idea how to address mental health. I don't know. Uh, but it is, it is often believed that her mental health struggles were tied to the trauma of taking care of her mother who suffered a head injury. And more specifically in 1922, when her mother had an episode that ended with Clara waking up to see her mother holding a butcher knife to Clara's throat. Her mother would eventually become institutionalized after the incident, and according to Beau or Bow's biographer David Sten, Clara's father began sexually abusing her at the age of 16 when her mother was away. Clara lived like a very hard, sad, and tumultuous life, and her life would be cut short um, at the age of 60 from a heart attack. And like I said, I've always known that Clara existed I knew what she looked like but I never knew any of this information until I started doing research for wings and she doesn't even have a huge part in wings she was like obviously given this role in the film to capitalize off of her success which she was hugely successful but she made a huge impression on me and I think going forward, I might look into more of her films for this podcast specifically. And I might even, you know, I might even dedicate a whole episode to her because I think she's very compelling on screen. And she's kind of just like this very tragic figure that I think should be remembered for her talents. Um, instead of, even though I just, <laughs> even though I just went into her awful backstory and her own trauma i think we need to kind of remember her yeah she was this huge box office success and she had top billing for wings even though it was not her movie and she knew it wasn't her movie i think she said something like this is not my movie this is the boys movie like those two this ain't mine but her name was the biggest letters on the poster and her face was plastered all over them and in some cases it was solely her face on the poster but yeah, I I really enjoyed this and I would I would recommend it if you're interested in the technical aspects of filmmaking. Uh also, it's gay and it's one of the first widely released films to include nudity. Uh so it's worth checking out. Uh there's like <laughs> I don't know. If you're one of those nasty people <laughs> who is looking for the nudity, uh this movie is not it ain't what you're looking for. There's like one, there's like one shot of um the examinations at like the doctor's office for the war or whatever, where like a doctor opens the door and you see like two men's like bare ass because they're, I don't know, they're getting a checkup or whatever. I don't know. And then Clara is topless in a scene, but you don't really see anything that explicit. But I'm sure it was explicit in 1927 or 
28 or 29 so like the movie came out in 1927 like it premiered and then it like had another premiere or like it was shown in 1928 actually i don't even remember i might be making all that shit up the oscars took place in 1929 and i think i might have taken the movie might have come out like a wide release in 1929 i don't know it kind of had like a long a long release but yeah don't go for the nudity and like (laughs) Like I was like, oh, you sick people for the nudity. I have a full letterbox list. I think it's called Cock and Ball Cinema. And every time I watch a movie that has um, cock or balls in it, I put it down. (laughs) It's not a public list yet because I am not going by memory from my movies because I have a terrible memory. Um, I'm doing as I watch. So once I get more on the list... We will definitely be posting that so everyone can enjoy um, Cock and Ball Cinema. <laughs> but speaking of Letterboxd, I ended up giving Wings a four out of five, which I was fully expecting to give it like a one or a two. Like I was not expecting to give it a whole ass four, which if you don't know, I don't, I don't do half scores anymore. I took them out because it bothers me. It's more of like an enjoyment scale rather than a numerical scale for me. So four out of five. And I will be adding it to a list of like uh, best picture winners that we watch that I watch on the podcast. Although I would love for you guys to watch them as well. I will be posting them on my Instagram. If you don't follow it, it's film.degree. I will be posting them before I post the episode, like what movies we're watching in case you want to watch and go along with it. But um, I'll be adding as I go a list of movies and ranking them as we go. Currently, I'm not putting it as public because there's only one movie. So Wings is at number one. I'm not putting like past movies I've seen, which I have seen quite a few of them. But yeah, I'm not sure if I want to like because I do want to go through all of the Oscar winners all the best picture winners. I'm not sure if I want to do them in chronological order or like just jump around because like I'm sure that episodes on older movies like the especially like this because it's like a silent movie that i doubt anyone really watches it's not gonna grab a large audience okay it's not like it's not like a a big movie that is out right now that people are like looking for content about so i don't know if i want to jump around but like also i don't do this because i want a bunch of listeners although i think we hit like 250 or something which is so cool again it's so cool because i've only had like four episodes and I didn't expect anyone to to listen, but I really like doing this. I kind of did this one a little differently than I have before. I kind of didn't have a script before. And my brain, like I said, I got ADHD. My brain kind of goes everywhere. So I wrote almost everything down. Like I kind of read the whole thing. And I kind of like this. I felt like I did more research on this than past episodes. So yeah, I do want to keep doing this. I want to kind of go through the history of the Oscars. But again, I don't want to, I don't want to do like just that. I I want to, I want to do all different kinds of topics and I'm not sure what I want to do next. I would like to do newer movies. I would like to do full topics again. Like I did the slasher episode. I did the um, Kristen Stewart episode and misogyny, like how those go, like, well, how Christmas Rose suffered from misogyny and all that. But um, I don't know. I'm not fully happy with those episodes. I'm still, you know, I'm still getting in my groove. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to do this. 
But I do want to do like big topic episodes like that. But I also would love to go into like older movies, which this is a huge opportunity for me to force myself to actually to actually look watch older movies because like ugh, I hate being one of those people who's like I'm all about film I love film I watch films constantly I'm a huge lover of cinema in general and I haven't seen that many old movies and like this is the perfect time I'm being forced to watch ones that are quote unquote the best of the best. Although some of these I'm really not looking forward to. <laughs> I am really looking forward to like Silence of the Lambs and Parasite, which I love Parasite. I think Parasite's like the greatest movie ever made on like ever. It is so fucking incredible. But there's so much I don't know about. And I like, I hate being that person that doesn't know them and I feel like an imposter. I feel imposter syndrome or whatever, or like a poser, like whatever. I just like, I want to educate myself more. And yes, again, you, I went to film school. It is the title of the fucking show, but I feel like I wasn't taught enough. I didn't learn enough about, about anything really. Like you know, it's probably just because college is this one huge scam. And if you are my college and you're listening to this, it is not a scam. Thank you for your education because I'm getting my master's program. <laughs> but I don't know if other people feel this way. And like, this is such a side note that it just kind of came to me right now. But I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And I feel like I- I'm sure everyone feels that way. And I'm just kind of like, I'm not special. Uh, like everyone is going through what I'm going through. Like right now I'm doing grad school and I read stories of people's experiences like online. And I'm like, mine doesn't sound anything like that. Like this part isn't that hard. Like it feels like undergrad, but like also at the same time, it feels much harder. And I just found out like I'm taking three classes for my undergrad and people are like, oh my God, that's so much. Like, how are you doing that? And I was like, that's a lot. Like, yeah, I'm struggling. Um, but I'm kind of struggling more mentally rather than being able to get like stuff done. I don't know. I just feel like, am I doing this right? Am I completely failing? I hear all these people like, Oh, my big research. Like what the hell are you researching? Like, what are you doing? Am I missing something? Am I not doing something I'm supposed to be doing? And like, I felt that throughout my whole undergrad and like my whole film school education. I was like, do I know what the fuck I'm talking about? Do I know anything? And part of me feels like, yes, I had this one professor. I had two that were actually really cool. And I feel like one had this um, understanding that I am someone who is going to go against kind of what I'm told. Or like there was this, I took a film philosophy course or a philosophy and film course. And we were given all these like big philosophies or whatever they're called. And we had to apply them to one film throughout the whole semester. So we had to write multiple papers and we had to like send our sources and whatnot, what we're going to talk about, what we're going to argue to the professor via email. And I sent so many emails back and forth with this man. And he was like, you are not understanding this like at all. Like this is like, 
you're not getting it. And oh, I forgot to mention, <laughs> um, the film I chose was 2000s Charlie's Angels. So it was really fucking hard <laughs> to put these academic philosophic ideas into Charlie's Angels. Okay. I made it difficult for myself because it is a movie I love. It's a movie I stand by and I did it. Okay. I, my professor was kind of like, uh, are you sure you want to do that? Cause like everyone was choosing these like big, like philosophical movies, these big important movies, even though I think Charlie's Angels is so important and it is an incredible movie. And I don't want to be like, I hate the people who are like, that is not that's not cinema. That's just a popcorn movie. Charlie's Angels is incredible. But anyway, I had to email my professor back and forth. Like, and he was just like, you're not understanding this. So I just stopped emailing him. I was like, fuck this. I don't care what this man has to say. What I want to say is what I'm going to say. And I, I did that. And I ended up receiving the paperback and he had the worst handwriting. So I honestly couldn't understand everything he wrote. But basically it was along the lines of, um, you did not understand anything about this um idea or philosophy or whatever and you did it like what I told you not to do but you were kind of passionate about it or whatever or you have such a good argument that he gave me like a b a b plus which is insane to me because every like a lot of people were struggling in that class and I just like I don't know I feel like he had this understanding of who I was and he had some, some sort of respect or something that he didn't have for everyone else. Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so important. I'm so intellectual. <laughs> but like I, in that moment, I felt like, okay, I'm doing something right here. Um, I was confident more in my voice. I didn't typically voice my opinion in class. I'm, I was very quiet in class. But, and I had another professor for, um, separate class. He was like my editing professor and he was like my professor. We had to make a short film for the class and ugh, it was the worst short film ever. I was paired with an awful group and it's a terrible movie and I want it scratched off the internet. It was an awful experience. Um, I felt like I had to act in it as well as write it. I had to write it because the guy couldn't write and he was like incompetent and his ideas were crazy and he was a film bro. He's one of those kind of mentioning before and I just wrote what he wanted and it was so bad and I had to act in it and I was so uncomfortable because I felt like my co-star did not care for that he was playing a gay character even though that wasn't a huge part of the storyline it was just part of this plot twist which was kind of a long story and I felt like he was uncomfortable being near me actually I know he was uncomfortable and he made me uncomfortable so the whole experience was kind of fucking awful but I had this professor and he he once called like in my editing course, he like always loved what I would do, what I would turn in. And I kind of thought like, oh my God, I'm doing so bad. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. It's the first time I've ever edited anything, but he like ate that shit up. Okay. And then I had him for this other class. And one time he like pulled me aside and he was just like, I know your groom sucks. <laughs> and he's like, I just thought you could handle being in this group because he kind of like was saying like you're kind of ready for this and I was just like I'm not ready I don't know what I'm doing this is such a terrible fucking idea I want to make my movie I want to make something I'm proud of and I kind of couldn't and we had to like edit a trailer for our short movie it was another part of the project and I did not want to handle my group anymore like I didn't want to talk to them 
I didn't want to deal with them. So I didn't actually have any of the um, footage that wasn't put in the actual short. So like it had the music or the score still over it. So I was like, fuck, I can't use the talking. I have to just edit music over it and make make it almost a teaser and I am just gonna do this because I don't wanna I don't wanna message this guy I don't wanna have to get the the shit from him the footage I just wanna get this fucking done with and when I came in to edit uh, for class the professor was just he literally said like whatever you're gonna turn in is going to be genius anyway so I'm excited to watch it and I was just like I don't know I felt like a weight came off of my chest where I was like holy shit I have I have some sort of talent and I'm doing this and maybe I do know what I'm doing maybe I'm maybe I don't but I don't know at that moment I felt like I did right now I don't have a professor like that and I'm doing something that's very new to me because it's not film so like I really don't know what I'm doing like, I'm kind of like about to shit myself right now as I speak <laughs> but I don't even know where I was going with this. Oh, I don't know. School's kind of pointless. But um, that was just a moment that I think I will hold on forever was this professor telling me that I was a genius. And, you know, maybe it wasn't true. But for some reason, I feel like he was being 100% genuine. And in that class, I sort of started to speak more because you call on people and ask them to critique critique things. Not even things that were from people in the... um the class it was just anything that he would show us he would ask us what we thought about it what what was it and I absolutely hate in college I feel like everyone is trying to like shove their head up everyone's ass and just like be like oh my god thank you so much for your response like when you have to do an online discussion wow Ashley thanks for the response that was such a great like blah, shut the fuck it's so fake I absolutely fucking hate it and at this point in the class, I was just like, I don't care. Like, I thought this was shit. So I would say it. And I do have a problem with my inflection of my voice. While I'm doing this, I'm very aware of my voice. But if I don't, if I'm not aware of how I'm talking, I sound very monotone. I have I have a resting bitch face. I just kind of look so cynical and bitchy and mean. And I sounded like I just hated everything, which I didn't hate it. But I would I would just openly say what I was thinking, which I think nobody else was doing in this class. Everyone was just like, wow, I thought it was so interesting. Like, no, it wasn't. It was ass. Say it's ass. That is what he wants to hear. He wants us to critique it. So critique it. He wants you to have your own voice and to have your own opinion. Like that is the whole point of film is your own voice. You are like, if you're a filmmaker, you're giving your voice. And that's what I was doing. And I think he sort of like that even though I feel like some of the students did not because yes I did say some things were shit when I did not realize they were from the class I thought they were just examples he brought in but ugh, I had another point I was going to say but I'm like so frazzled I don't know where I was going with that I just I don't know I am having just a crisis or something about about school it kind of sucks I wanted to drop out recently I still kind of do but I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this, but I've been thinking that in my undergrad as well. So it's, I guess it's not that different. I just got to like keep saying what I got to say, keep doing what I got to do and I'll, I'll get through it hopefully in two years. But what I wanted to say, my other professor that I mentioned from the first time, I was in film school, like my last um, year, my last semester 
was the COVID semester or the semester before my last year was the COVID year, 2020. And we got sent home and we were doing a, I was in an international film course and we had these ridiculous reading assignments to read that I absolutely hate academic writing. It is so it's all bullshit. Everyone just wants to use these big fucking words to sound smarter than they actually are. Like you're not saying anything that interesting or that intellectual. You're just using big words to make yourself sound intellectual. And it's hard to read. Like I struggle to read in general because of like my attention issues. Like reading is just not my strongest. Well, I don't want to say it's not my strongest, like strong suit. I can read. I do read. Like I read books and everything. But if it is something like some intellectual academic paper I can't pay attention to that shit it is so boring and it makes me antsy and my brain will just be thinking about other things while I'm reading and I won't retain anything and we were all sent home it was kind of a very stressful time the world was very uncertain it still is but like at the time I was like oh my god what is this COVID thing like I was stressed the fuck out okay I'm still stressed the fuck out and I was so sick of writing these fucking discussion posts on these papers on international cinema that made no sense to me. And I was like, even reading them out to my mom, I was like, mom, I'm like crying at this point. I'm like, I have read this. I've tried to read this so many times. You understand anything he's trying to say. And she's like, listen, I don't, I don't understand a single fucking word in that thing. And I was like, you know what I got to do? This is what I got to do. I wrote a discussion post where everyone's like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. I thought this, blah, blah, this, 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 like but like fake shit. Like they were just trying to like fill a word count, like the word guide, like the amount of words, whatever. I'm, I don't know what I'm saying. They were trying to say as much as they could with saying nothing. And they were trying to kiss the professor's ass. And I was just, I had a breaking point. I was like, this is so stupid. And I wrote, I genuinely have no idea what this was even talking about. And I don't know. I don't even know what the paper was about (laughs) because I didn't understand it anyway. But I don't remember anything it was about, like anything about this movie, like what we were talking about. But I just said, like, I don't understand anything. And just because things have used big words, like everything I just said, like just because they have big words doesn't mean they're smart and doesn't mean this has any meaning. Like, I am struggling to understand any of these articles you are giving us. I'm at home. I'm trying to fucking figure this out. I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to stay mentally sane. And you just piling on these enormous fucking readings that make no fucking sense is not helping because you're not even talking about it afterwards. So like, I have no idea what this is about. I think this paper was pretentious because it's just using big words for the sake of using big words. And um, I had a response from it. One person in the class was, again, trying to lick my professor's asshole. And he was like, I think you're being pretentious. And I was like, okay, that made no fucking sense. Because what did I say that was pretentious? I said, this doesn't make sense. And I don't like having to read it. And you're not teaching it to us. And blah, 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 blah. I was nervous to send it, like to post, but I was kind of like, this is the truth and I'm going to say it. So I said it and guess what happened the next week? We got an email saying that we are no longer doing the readings because they are very difficult. Um, So that class can fucking lick my asshole. You're welcome. Hello. I just saved you a whole fucking half the semester 
of reading that shit and writing bullshit posts. But anyway, I just feel like (laughs) this has gone in so many directions. That professor, it was that guy and then the other guy who's in my editing course. Um, The one that I wrote this post to was the one who gave me a B on the paper. I feel like he just had an understanding and appreciated what I had to say. So I guess my advice to anyone in college or going to be in college, when you have, when you're asked your opinion, say it, um, no matter if it's harsh, no matter if it's unpopular, I have found that professors like it, or maybe they just do because I'm in a creative field. Well, my schooling wasn't in creative field. <laughs> my job is not. And if you have a discussion post, don't write fake bullshit, right? If you're struggling, say you're struggling. Don't worry about people who have written these huge ass, like paper length response posts. Just write what you have to write and say, this doesn't make sense to me at all. But like, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And I don't know. I feel like they'll appreciate you more that had nothing to do with wings and that was not my notes, but I just had to say that. (laughs) It just kind of goes like, I am looking for an education I didn't get. Did I get educated? Yes. Did I feel like while I was doing it it was adequate? No. Um, Did I feel confident all the time? No. I don't feel confident now in my schooling. I didn't feel confident before. And I'm kind of always in this like thing where I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. So this podcast (laughs) although it is called the film degree and I have my film degree and I say I get to finally put my film degree to use also I feel like this is like its own form of film degree for me because there is so much about this episode I did not know I knew nothing about Clara I knew nothing about the original Oscar ceremony I didn't even really know how any of this like I didn't know any of this I didn't know anything about wings I don't know much about silent films but I learned a lot and I actually really enjoyed that. And I think I want to keep going with that. I want to learn more. I feel like the last few episodes I've done were kind of like, this is my thought, whatever. And they were kind of jumbled, like my whole last 20 minute rant on schooling. (laughs) But I feel like this is my schooling. And honestly, I feel like if you're, I read this, I read this when I was panicking last night about grad school and like, what am I doing? And does everyone else feel this way? And that's where I got, when I said imposter syndrome, like that's where I learned it because I was like, okay, everyone feels like an imposter. Okay. But I learned like, if you're in grad school, you need to find a fucking hobby because it will emotionally drain you. It will like suck your life force out, spit you out, and then expect you to do all this fucking work and to deal with annoying people like classmates and group partners and professors and people you have to interact with like for I don't know like projects and interviews and blah 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 and people in the workforce whatever you need a hobby to have something and this I feel like is my hobby and I'm really enjoying it and I'm really enjoying I'm enjoying learning more and I felt like I learned in here. And I hope if you're listening to this, you learned something 
as well and continue to learn something because if you don't have a film degree from a college and spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to get one, um, you're going to have an honorary one by listening to this because I'm going to fucking teach you something. And if it's useful or not, or if it's useful, it doesn't, I don't really care. Whatever. I'm teaching you something. <laughs> Ugh. I d- <laughs> I'm looking at the time of this podcast and currently without editing, I'm at like a hun- like an hour and 24 minutes. And I thought I was nervous. I wouldn't have enough content to make a 20 minute episode. <laughs> so yeah, that was my rant on school. That was my presentation of the Oscars and the history. And that was my presentation of wings and my thoughts on wings. Yes. I recommend wings, not to everyone, but if you're interested in technical aspects, like I said, I do recommend that. And hopefully, well, not hopefully we are, we're going to talk about the next Oscar ceremony or another Oscar ceremony. We're going to go through it all. Uh, We'll learn the history. We'll talk about the movies and yeah, I'm really excited. I don't know what I want to do next. Um, I was just thinking about what I was going to do next, like in my head, like while I was doing this and I was like, oh, I want to do a episode on like the departed and infernal affairs or is it internal affairs, infernal affairs, the original from Hong Kong. But I just realized it is the best motion picture of the year. So, or it was the best picture winner of the year in like 2007 or something. So I don't know if I'm going to do that anymore because I want to cover The Departed twice. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. You know what? (laughs) Like anybody cares, but I'm going to do The Departed whenever I get there. And then I'll do Infernal Affairs probably the episode after so I can talk about both. That's what I'll do. Okay, genius. So now I'm back to square one. I don't know what I'm going to do for the next episode. I'm trying to come up with topics. If you would... If you have a topic that you would like me to research or discuss or because hopefully I'm doing more research than I have been previously, um, you can DM me on uh, the Instagram, which is just film.agree. Like I said, I would love for you to follow. I try to post fun things on there as well as updates. And if you're listening to this, which I know some of you fucking are, there was 250 of you. <laughs> so far let's go come dm me tell me what you want to talk about because i am i don't know like big topics i am not sure so let me know and yeah we'll talk about it and we'll learn stuff so thank you so much for listening this was a much longer episode than i anticipated and again like the last episode, I was like, I don't know how long these episodes are supposed to be. They're kind of all over the place. And the last one, I think, was shorter. And this one is now long again. So <sighs> we're just we're just going with it. And we'll keep going. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you guys come back next episode. Thank you. <laughs>